it is well with my soul. I couldn't help but think, is it well with your soul today? Eternity is a long time, is it not? Eternity is a long time to be with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's a long time to be separated from our Savior in a place of fire and brimstone. Is it well with your soul today? I thought of Matthew 16, 26. That verse says, What does it profit a man if he were to gain the whole world and yet lose his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Haunting question, is it not? Clarence, would you lead us in prayer, please? Clarence. Clarence, thank you. We'll be in 1 Timothy today if you would like to turn there. 1 Timothy, uh, excuse me, not 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, verse chapter 1. 2 Timothy, if you find 1 Timothy, just keep going. Okay, and then you'll run into 2 Timothy. We'll be in chapter 1 and we're going to begin in, uh, in verse 5. The Apostle Paul is writing this letter to Timothy. And the Apostle is sitting in a Roman jail awaiting his execution. And he writes this letter to Timothy, the second letter that he has written to Timothy. Uh, Timothy will be the one who kind of takes up Paul's mantle once Paul has been executed. And he, and he wants to kind of give uh, Timothy some, a last-minute pep talk, if you would. He wants to give him some last-minute instructions, give him last-minute encouragement before they take Paul's head off. And, and he wants to encourage Timothy to, to stay in the faith and to be strong in the faith and, and never back away from their faith. And as he is encouraging Timothy to do that, that life will not always be easy, Timothy. He's also encouraging you and I, I believe, to to be encouraged, to know who we are in Christ, to stand strong in our faith, to, to not back down, not to be ashamed of the gospel. And as I was kind of studying this today, I mean, he's writing to Timothy, but he speaks so much to us in this in this book, in this second letter to Timothy. So I hope today... As we look at this, as Paul is encouraging Timothy, 
we also find encouragement also for our own lives as we live our lives in, in what's becoming more of a dark and darkened period of time in, in our world. I think we need encouragement. I think we need that. I think sometimes we need a pep talk. So that's what we're going to be looking today is, is kind of drawing some encouragement and strength from Paul's letter to Timothy. Stay strong in the faith, he would say. Be strong. Never back away. As we begin looking at this, uh, let's look at verse 5, first of all. I think there's some stuff that we can really pull from verse 5 as we look at this. He says, For I am mindful, Paul writes, of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt with your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. We see in those verses that Timothy was one lucky guy. Did you know that? He was one lucky guy. He grew up in a home that loved the Lord. His grandmother Lois, his mother Eunice loved the Lord. They were staunch believers in the Lord. And they wanted Timothy to have that, that faith. And they taught Timothy the scriptures. And, and they did more than just teach him the scriptures. They lived a life of faith in front of him. I mean, what better thing to do as a mom or a dad and, and hear a grandmother and a mother to, to teach a young one the Scriptures, teach them what God's Word says, and then take that and live that faith out in front of them. And we know that, that Timothy saw what was going on. He heard the Scriptures. As a young man, he accepted Christ as, as Lord and Savior. He, 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 he became trusting in the Lord for his faith. And it began to show in his faith. Paul knew who Timothy was, but Paul also knew that this man, his faith was real. You see it there. I, 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 he said, I'm mindful of the, the sincere faith that is within you. Paul didn't know him very well, but he knew him enough to know that this guy, this Timothy's faith was real. I've told you before, and I, I'm going to tell you again today. I think, I think as a Christian, when you meet somebody... And maybe he's a stranger, maybe you don't know him or whatever. I believe there is ways to know if that person that you have just met is a believer or not. I believe it should tell on their face. I believe it tells what they say and what they do and their actions and how they react. And I think a Christian needs to have that, if you would, a, a kind of a glow about them. And I think Paul saw this glow and he saw the way Timothy handled himself and, it, and the way he reacted to things and acted to things. And he was reacting and doing just like what, what you might say a believer would do. And Paul saw this faith in him and he wanted to encourage this faith in him. I need to tell you what a great lesson that would be for young people today. I challenge every mom and dad, every granddad and every grandma today to pass down a legacy to your kiddos. Not a legacy of a big house, a big account. I would urge you to pass down a legacy of faith, a, a life lived in faith. A life that would say, yeah, it really is well with my soul. I've seen my mother and my father and my grandparents living out this faith. What a legacy you could pass down as, as they watch you walk the walk and talk the talk. As you live a life of faith. As you teach those kiddos 
about the gospel. You teach them the scriptures. You show them the promises of God in his word. You tell them about Jesus and what Jesus did on that cross. There's no better thing you can tell your young kiddos than that. Living a life of faith, teaching the scriptures, telling them about Jesus, taking them, bringing them to church every Sunday, showing that church is a priority, that being here around fellowship with other believers is, a, it is an important an important deal. It's letting them see you read God's word at your house. It's letting them hear you pray sometime besides at supper. It is setting an example for those kiddos that, that your faith means something, that your faith is a priority, that it really is well with your soul. And we pass that legacy down, and I hope that you do. See, we have a responsibility, do we not, as parents and as grandparents to lead the way, to show the way, to set the example. And I tell you that because it is biblical. It is biblical that we do that. We can't just let let the church do all of that. You have got to jump in and be that legacy of leadership in your home. Deuteronomy 6 and 7, Moses has just been giving them the Ten Commandments and the other laws that they're going to live by. And he's encouraging them that, and he's telling them that God will bless you if you would just be obedient. If you just follow his commandments, if you just do what, he, what God says, Moses is telling them. He said, God will bless you over and over and over. In Deuteronomy 6, 7, it talks about this as he has been teaching the, the commandments. He says, you shall teach them diligently to your sons and you shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you get up we are to be teaching our young folks the scriptures are we not well you say I I am up in years and I really didn't ever do that today would be a good day to start you see it's never too late to do the right thing It's never too late to get on board with God. It's never too late to begin teaching and setting an example. Man, what an example you could say that you could just tell those kiddos, man, you know, I I should have done this and I didn't. I should have have been a stronger uh, warrior for Christ, but I wasn't. I didn't teach you the scriptures. I just didn't live it. But beginning the day, I am. I want you to know that. I want you to know God has forgiven me because of that. And now I just want to stand strong for the Lord. I want to pass a legacy down. I want to let you and all everyone else know that I have been born again. And that, that I want to show you, give you an example on how to live. You see, I believe Timothy was a lucky man because he came from a home that did that. Verse 6, we see what else he's got for us. <clears throat> I love this verse too. <laughs> He says, for this reason, I remind you, Timothy, to kindle afresh, to stir up, to stoke the fire of the gift that God has given to you. Kindle afresh, stir up, stoke the fire, Paul would be saying to Timothy. You know, sometimes we lose the passion that we have for our Lord Sometimes we need to stir that back up, that fire. I was thinking last year we went to Broken Bow down at Hotchatown, Hotchatown, whatever it's called down there. 
and it had this this fire pit there in the backyard and 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 we finally got this fire going we stacked the wood up and got the fire going and it had rained the day before so the wood was a little wet but it's we still got it going and that fire was blazing and carrying on and getting bigger and bigger and and then man we had some great hot dogs there and some marshmallows but eventually the fire began to die down the fire would die down and now all we had was some embers there you know what it, what we're talking about those little embers there and and I wanted the fire back up so I took a stick and I stirred that thing up again stirred those embers up and what happened to those embers another fire came up I think that is what Paul is trying to tell Timothy here Timothy, you need to kindle afresh. You need to stoke the fire, if you would, the fire of your faith, Timothy. I think you need to get back the passion that you had for the Lord. Timothy, you need to get back the joy of your salvation, Timothy. You need to stir that up again. Don't let that ever go away from you again, Timothy. Stoke the fire. Get the fire going back up. Their embers might be there. But Paul would tell him, Timothy, with, with the life and the circumstances, you're going to have to have a fire. You're going to have to have the passion for doing the things that God has called you to do. Yeah. I believe some of us in here need to stir up the passion again in our walk with the Lord. And I'm not pointing any fingers. When I point fingers, I've got three coming back at me. Sometimes we just got to just stoke the fire of our passion for the Lord. Sometimes just things happen in life, do they not? Sometimes circumstances or struggles or, or just difficulties in life sometimes pull us away from our faith. Those seem to be more important than our faith. Sometimes a sickness or a disease kind of jumps on you. And all of a sudden that takes priority in your life. Sometimes just bad experiences Sometimes just a bad experience, and, and, and in your mind you go, God, what, what's going on here? And, and in your mind you begin to question God. Does God really love me? Is, really, is God really on my side? Is He really for me? And as we begin to think that way, we, we kind of pull our faith away from the Lord just a little bit. Something kind of just pulls us away. And we begin to lose some of that fire that we had for the Lord. Sometimes maybe somebody said something. Maybe you had been speaking about Jesus or something. And somebody had made a snide remark and you go, oh. And you pull away from the Lord. Or sometimes maybe just maybe you just got lazy. <laughs> sometimes you just get lazy. Sometimes you just don't want to just jump in here. Sometimes you don't want to just fall on your knees all the time. Sometimes you just don't want to pray. Some, you know, life happens. And sometimes life pulls us away from our faith. And, and at one time this fire was blazing a faith in our lives. And all of a sudden now it's just kind of just went, dwindled down into just a bunch of embers. Paul's saying, Timothy, Timothy, if your life is nothing but a bunch of embers, you need to stroke the fire of passion to get your faith back where it needs to be. Your, your walk with the Lord has got to be stronger. And I, and I encourage you today and encourage myself today. If that is where you are today, if your fire is not burning like it's supposed to, man, take a stick and, and, and stir that fire, get it going again. How, well, how do you do that? 
How do you, how, how do you get that flame, that, that passion that you had at one time for the Lord? How do you get that back? I mean, is that possible? Yeah, it is possible. The first thing you got to do, I believe, if that is who you are in this room today, I believe you need to confess, Father, that that's the way I feel. Father, I, I don't have the same passion for you. I don't have the same fire for you. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to spend time with you, Father. But you know what? He said, if you just confess it, and if you just repent it, God will forgive it. You see, there's a principle in the Bible that says, when you start moving towards God, God doesn't run away from you. He runs to you. Did you know that? When, when you have blown it or you don't have the passion anymore and you come to God, 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 I confess to you, Father, please forgive me. I repent of that, Father. I want the passion back that I had at one time for you, Father. Father, would you help me get that back? And you know what he's going to do? He's going to go, two thumbs up, Don. You betcha, let's do that. He hears that cry. He doesn't run away. He runs to you so that he can wrap his loving arms around you and say, yes, it's okay, son. It's okay, my daughter. I understand. I was, I was human at one time, too. I understand the, the weaknesses of being in a human flesh. I understand that. But God, come on back, he says. Come on back, and I'll run to you, and I'll forgive you. Man, what, what a great thing that would be. And once we have done that, once we have confessed and wanted and asked God to get that fire built back up in us, that passion, then what do you do? I believe you get back into his word. You get back into reading his word. If you don't know where to go, I'd go to, I'd go to Psalms because like we read every Sunday, there's a bunch of praise in there. And when you praise him enough, all of a sudden the rest of the stuff in this old world kind of dis- disappears when you're praising him. Go to the book of John if you want to, because the book of John is all about Jesus. That'd be another good place to start in the book of John. Get, get to the point where you start reading his word daily. Get to the point that you are consistently wanting to pray daily, more than once. The Bible says pray without ceasing. Get into his word and get on your knees and begin to pray. Get involved in a church. Tell somebody about Jesus. And I can promise you... I can promise you when, that, when you begin to do that, the, the, the fires, the passion that you had one time for the Lord will now begin to be stirred and to be stoked. Life is not easy. We're living in a very dark, dark world right now, are we not? Timothy was living in that kind of a world. And Paul says, fired up, buddy. Get the flames of going again, buddy. Because you're going to need it in this old world. Kindle afresh, he tells him in verse 6. Verse 7, we see some more encouragement from Paul. He says, For God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Paul reminds Timothy that fear is not from the Lord. Fear is not from the Lord. Timothy, when you go try to witness to somebody and you don't want to do it because you're afraid of what they might say, Timothy, that's not from the Lord. When we fear a struggle in life, we fear the procedure that's fixing to happen. 
We fear bad news that could come down our way. We fear a struggle that maybe is just around the corner. And Paul's telling Timothy, and he's telling us, he said, that fear is not, not from the Lord. That fear is not from the Lord. When you get ready to speak about, about Jesus to somebody, and you, and you stop and you hesitate, that's, that hesitation does not come from the Lord. Maybe you were fear that you, if you get too, if you get too gung ho for the Lord, that you'll lose friends over that. I know teenagers deal with that quite a bit. If I just get too strong or, or too too holy, <laughs> I'll lose some of my friends. Or maybe even you're afraid of what God might ask you to do. Oh, that don't ever happen. Afraid of what God might ask you to do. Yeah, there's some truth there. There's some truth. When I was uh, a, a young Christian at the age of, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 in there, I didn't want to get too close to the Lord because I was afraid he might send me to Africa to be a missionary. You ever, anybody ever had that thought? If I just get, to, because back when I was growing up, my teenage years, that's what they talked about. The pastors talked about, we need more missionaries and we've got to send you to Africa. Well, I ain't going to do that. Man, I, ain't, I have no desire to do that. I, I cannot think of a way to live my life. And I had this fear that, he, that if I got too close, he would do that. Boy, God has a funny sense of humor, doesn't he? I've been there three times and going back for a fourth right now. You know, see, he can take, he can take what we think is fear and he can make something good out of it. At about the age of 15 and 16, if I got too close to the Lord, I was being told that maybe y'all, be, y'all need to be a preacher. No, I, I can't do that. I can't stand in front of people and speak. Are you kidding me? I can't. I have trouble enough speaking one-on-one to somebody, much less have 40 or 50 or 100 people at an audience. I can't. God, I can't ever do that. Are you kidding me? God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? Here I am. It took him 64 years to get me ready. But here I am. You see, sometimes God takes those fears that we have and he changes them in to a positive. Why does he do that? Because God does not give us fear. What is your fear? What was your fear? I can tell you whatever it is, it did not come from God. You see, we have a big enemy out there. Did you know it? We have an enemy out there that does not want to for you to follow a perfect God's perfect plan for you. He didn't want that. The Bible talks about he, he prowls around this old world like a lion looking for somebody to devour. You see, his main purpose in life is to ruin your life. Okay? And if he can ruin your life or if he can stop you from being the Christian that, that you want to be by throwing up F-E-A-R in front of you every time you try to do something for the Lord... He's going to win. Did you know that? He's going to do it. And every time that fear steps up into your life, I want you to remember, if you don't remember anything else, I want you to remember this. God did not give you that fear. God did not give you that hesitation. But what has God given to us? The Bible says he's given us power. That's the next thing on the list. He has given us power. He not fear but power, power to live a life like we live and the power to 
minister, the power to teach, the power to witness, the power to have a spiritual life that is pleasing to him. Ephesians 2.10 says this about that kind of power. For we are his workmanship, that's you and me, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. Do you believe that God, probably before the foundation of the world, decided the good things that you're going to do in this life, the good works that you're going to do? And if he has ordained good works for you, guess who's going to make sure that you have the power and ability to do those good works? Yeah, yeah, you're right. God the Father. You know, I don't know the good works that he's called you to do. I know he's called some people into the ministry. And some people have said yes, and some people go, no, I don't want to do that. I know a man I'm thinking of just right now who surrendered to be a pastor in his teenage years. But yet business and money and other things got in the way, and he never pursued what he really thought was God's calling on his life. Kind of a sad thing. For those who have been called to the ministry, the Bible tells us he will give us the power to do what he's called us to do. Maybe he's called you to be a school teacher. Maybe he's called you to work with your hands, a welder, a plumber, a, 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 a farmer, or a builder, or whatever. Maybe he's called you to do something else. Maybe he's called you to be all kinds of things. Okay? And if he's called you to do that, and if he's given you that's your niche, if you will, I can promise you that God will give you all the power that you need in order to be successful. Sometimes God calls us specifically for things in life to do. Sometimes he doesn't call it specifically. Maybe he just gives you an ability to do something or a desire or a niche. But whatever it is, if you are in God's plan, if you are in God's will, I can promise you, the Bible tells you, he gives you the power to be able to be successful in whatever he's called you to do. But there's also another side of that coin. Uh, uh, The power for good works, yes, he will empower you to do that. But there's another side of that coin, and another side of that coin is about your spiritual life. When you begin to minister for people, to people, for Christ, when you begin to actively live the Christian life, when you are pursuing the things of God with an open and an honest heart, then, the Bible tells us, the Holy Spirit will then infuse to you, will give to you the power that you need to be able to do what He's called you to do in your spiritual lives. You believe that? Well, I could never teach Sunday school. Yeah, you're right. You can on your own power. Well, I could never sing a solo, and I can't. But in your own power, you can't. Okay? But when you begin to live for the Lord, and you honestly want to live for the Lord, and you want, you want that power to be able to do what He's called you to do, then and only then will He infuse you with the power to be able to do what He's called you to do. Sometimes life gets hard and we face difficulties in life. But if we're doing it for the Lord, guess what? He gives us the power to overcome. When we are wanting to witness to somebody, to tell somebody about Jesus, to tell somebody that you need to get your soul well with the Lord, 
And yet you don't think you'd, you'll know the words to say. And you back off and you say, I just can't, I, did not, I can't do that. I want you to remember this. The Bible says God gave you the power to be able to witness, to bear witness to him, to somebody else. Luke 12, 12, in that hour, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say when you need it. What a great promise that is. That, my friend, is power that the Holy Spirit gives to you when you step out of your comfort zone and do something for the Lord. I can promise you, he will give you the the power to do what he's called you to do. You see, God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. You've got to understand that. That has been my prayer for the last three years and nine months. God, you've called me to do this. I am so unqualified. But I know what you've told me, God, that you qualify the called. What a blessing, what a promise that is to me. And I'm here to tell you it is a promise to you also. But if you sit in your easy chair, basking in the fact that you have fire insurance, that when you die, that's, you're going to heaven. If that's all you do, if that's all you do, the Holy Spirit will not give you any power to minister. Only when you want to do something for the Lord will He give that power. And I see Christians all the time. It's like, man, I don't, I don't have any, I don't have any juice about me. I don't have a joy about me. There's no, I, I don't. I, there's just nothing going on in this Christian life, and this Christian life just seems to be so dull, and sometimes it's just boring. And I just, I just don't get it sometimes. And when you get like that, I can tell you why you've gotten like that, Christian. You have stopped doing the things for God that he wants you to do. And because you are not actively involved in ministry, whatever ministry that is, the Holy Spirit has not given you the power to do anything because you're not wanting to do anything. Man, I just pray for you and encourage you that you would just be on fire for the Lord. Stir that fire up again so that he can give you the passion to tell somebody the good news of Jesus. To, to, to show somebody what it means to be born again. To show somebody what it means to, to when life slaps you down and hits you in the face and bang. That you can still get up from there and you can have a smile on your face. And they ask you, why can you smile about that that just happened in your life? And you can say, I know God's in control. I know God's going to take this because I am as one of his children. And he's going to take it and he's going to shape it somehow for my good and for his glory. That's power. I'm going to tell you that right there. That is power. And that power comes from God himself. Second thing that he gives us real quick. Oh, I got to get moving on. I've been long-winded here today. (laughs) Uh, In verse 7, he said, but he gives us power and he gives us love. Gives us love. Well, that's nice, God. Appreciate you giving me that love. Love for others. There's a little bit difference on this love that he's talking about. That love he's talking about is called agape love. Agape love. Boy, I wish he had never put that in there. I really didn't. I wish he wouldn't have done that. I wish he'd have just said filio love. That's love that we have for our our buddies and our mankind and, and our friends. He says agape love. Agape love says I will love you no matter what you have done to me. 
Oh my gosh, come on, Lord, I can't do that. You're right, I can't. It is love that says, I will love you no matter what you've done to me. No matter what you've done to me, I will care for you. I will nourish. I will nurture you. No matter what you've done to me, I'll still tell you about Jesus, what he's done. I will love you no matter what you have done. I can't do that. And you can't do that. Because that kind of love only comes from a holy God. And a holy God is the only one that possesses Gape love. And all he wants to do, he says, I want to give you that, that love to you. I want to help you to love those people that are not lovable. I want, to, I want you to love those folks that have done something to you that you don't like. Well, why would he ever want us to do that? Why would he ever want us to have, live a life loving folks that don't like you? Well, I can tell you why. Because that's the kind of love that Jesus has for you and for me. That's the kind of love Jesus had for those guys that drew those spikes in his hands and his feet. That's the kind of love he had when those two guys were beating him with the whip and almost killed him over that. He loved those guys that put that crown of thorns on his head. That's how he loved them. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing here. You see, that's agape love. That's the love no matter what you've done. And he's asked us to have that kind of love for our fellow mankind. Can you do it on your own? No. But you can ask God to give you that kind of love. He'll fill you with that kind of love. That when somebody says something to you, you don't, you don't want to just go hit them again. You want to just go, thank you, Father. I know what's going on here. Help me to love them. Ephesians 5, 2 says, walk in love. Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for you. How did Christ love us? He loved us sacrificially. All in, no matter what we have done. Aren't you, aren't you glad about that? Because before you were saved, you were no better than those guys that drove the spikes in his, in his hands and his feet. You were no better. You were a sinner. You were a sinner in need of a Savior. And if he would love them, he loved you before you became a believer. I'm so thankful for that, aren't you? Oh, my goodness. John 13, 34 and 35 says this. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, love one another. How did he love us? I just told you how he loved us. And then the second, the last part of that verse, verse 35. By this, men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. See, we are called to love one another with agape love. Third thing, real quickly, I promise. He gives us power, he gives us love, and he gives us a sound of mind, it says, or self-discipline or whatever you, you want to say it. As a believer, he gives us the power to be able to control ourselves, to control our emotions, control our thoughts, control our reactions during the most difficult, difficult situations. That's what he's talking about there. As a believer, you can control What you say, you can control what you think, you can control what you do. Because he's given us a sound mind, he's given us self-control, he's given us self-discipline. And when life kinds to smack us down, we don't have to react like the world. Because we have this sound mind. When we live for Christ, he wants us to have that kind 
of a mind. You know, when you look at these, if God has given us the power to live the, live the Christian life that he's given to us, if he's given us the love that we need to love other people sacrificially, if he's given us a sound mind to be able to act and react in the right way, if he's done all of that for us, do you think that we need to live a life in fear? Paul's telling Timothy, don't, don't be afraid. You have all the power you need to do what you've got to do. You've got all the love that you need to do what you've got to do. Don't be afraid of anybody. Don't be afraid of what you're doing. You've got a sound mind. I've given you a mind to be able to work through this. That a mind that, that seeks after my mind, God would say. Timothy, don't be afraid. And I tell you the very same thing. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what's out there. Don't be afraid to say something for the Lord. Don't be afraid to, see, to let your neighbor see that you come to church every Sunday. Uh, don't, don't be afraid to let those people that you work with at the job, don't be afraid to let them know that you've been born again, that you are a believer, that you are, have a faith in Christ that cannot be broken and not can be taken away from you. He said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid when the dark world kind of tries to come after you. Don't be afraid because fear is not from God. But power is from God. Love's from God. Sound mind is from God. Remember that, Paul would say. In conclusion, has your passion for the Lord? Has your passion for the Lord? Are you on fire for the Lord? Or is your fire just about out? Is your fire just about out? To be successful in this life, spiritually, you've got to have a fire going. Because the world will throw nothing but cold water on your fire if you let them. <laughs> they want to take it out, don't they? Not? Yeah. Do you love Him more than you did yesterday? Is your passion for the Lord wavering? Do you no longer delight in the things of the Lord? Does reading the Bible and praying and coming to church and doing those kind of things that God has asked us to do, is it no longer any joy for you? Is it, has it become a burden to, to do any of that, Christian friend? Have you gotten lazy in your approach to your, to your faith? If so, what do you need to do? You need to stir the fire, kindle afresh, Stoke the fires of your faith. Confess to him. Get back to doing what God has called you to do. So that you can be a witness for him. That you can be an example for others. So that, that you're living a life. In essence, I don't know if this is the right way to phrase it. But it's pleasing to God. Okay. As we begin our invitation time. I just, I, just, I just want to encourage you just like Paul was encouraging Timothy, man. If you are a ma or Paul or a grandpa, grandma, leave a legacy of faith behind. You never know what that seed is going to do. What that seed, how that seed will grow up. That seed in this case was Timothy who came, who grew up to be a spiritual leader around the known world. Standing for, standing up for God. When you live the Christian faith, there's no need to be afraid of anybody or anything. Fear is not from God. You have the power and the love and the mental ability to be able to do what God has called you to do. 
as we close our eyes and bow our heads as the invitation time comes. I don't know how God has spoken to you, but I pray it's been encouragement to you. I pray it's been a challenge to you. I also will pray that if it is not well with your soul, today would be a good day to make it well with your soul. As the piano plays, I'm going to ask you to do business with God. However he's spoken to you, do business with the Lord.